Hi there, um, it's Annie here and welcome back to my story, um, White Gossamer. So we're on chapter three, so we'll just get on with it. Okay, chapter three. Oh, I hope you're all well. Chapter three. Dusk was falling. Fred sat alone o- under the overhanging rock of the small cave, glaring at the light which shone from one small window of Mariana's house, watching the shadows of the people inside. The shadows began to move and he glared more intensely, as if his stare would somehow make them all disappear. Mariana's house was perched on a plateau of rock, a short distance from Fred's cave, and from the doorway a little worn-out path wound its way down the mountainside. At the side of the house there was a small pond, fed from the clear trickling water of a mountain stream, around which some small bushes, ferns and wild flowers grew, and where Mariana made most of her soap. When Fred had first found Mariana alone and abandoned, he could not leave her all on her own. He could not let her be abandoned again. So he had brought her here, first to the cave and then when she had begun to get better, and when it was clear she was cold and uncomfortable sleeping in his little cave, he had fixed up the adjacent house and helped her to make it a home. The house had been old and dilapidated, but Fred had carried the stone and bricks to seal the holes in the walls and the roof. He had fixed the floor and the windows, and he had built the stove on which she could cook their meals. And there was a fire, and, and where a fire was always lit in the winter, breathing thick smoke through the chimney. But Fred had never intended for it to be his home, and Fred had never spent one night of sleep under its roof. Even in the daytime, he never ever went inside. The house was not his home, it was Mariana's. The cave was Fred's home, and it was where he felt safe. Set deep into mountain rock at the side of Mariana's house, this cave was Fred's own solitary dwelling. He had carved it himself with tools he had sharpened, pickaxes he had moulded, and hands which were numb to pain. It was his own space which protected him from the glaring sun, from the battering rain, but which never made him feel like a prisoner. He did not want to live in a house. Houses scared him. He could not enter them. His his little cave had no doors, no windows, no furniture, but it made him feel safe. It was his home. It was where he felt comfortable, and sometimes it kept the nightmares away. But tonight Fred did not feel comfortable or safe, or calm. Tonight he was deeply unsettled, and he wanted to smash apart the rock and stone that surrounded him. Fred and Mariana had reached home hours ago. Mariana had made dinner using the mermaid oil to fuel the stove, and they had eaten outside in silence until Mariana rose, bid him goodnight and entered into her little house. Then, just as Fred was about to go to sleep, that man called Nikolai had appeared again, just like he said he would. The moon had hung behind him and his hood had been pulled up over his head. He looked different from before, darker, but he was the same man. He was Nikolai, the man with the broken wings and the broken face, returned to meet with Mariana. He said he meant Mariana no harm, that he just wished to talk to her. He said it in a soft, well-spoken voice and Fred believed him. Why shouldn't he? Mariana had told him it would be okay and that she wanted to meet him. And Mariana was always right. She always did what she thought best, and Fred trusted her. And it had, after all, been Nikolai who had really saved Mariana's life. So why would he want to hurt her, when he could have just let her die? Fred pulled his knees up to his chest and looked from the little windows of the house to the walls around his cave. Clenching his knuckles tightly, he scraped them down over the rock, ripping the bare skin. He wanted to go into the house and see and hear for himself, but to Fred, crossing that threshold was like walking into an abyss filled with savage demons, and the thought made his body tremble violently. He couldn't do it. No matter how hard he tried, no matter how much he wanted to, he could not go into the house. He could not make Mar- He could not make sure Mariana was all right. 
He just had to trust her when she said she could look after herself. Fred pounded his large callous hand down upon the dusty cave floor. A grey cloud rose and he pounded again. For a few seconds the swirling dust choked and blinded him, but then, through the descending mist, a little dog appeared, bounding towards him, over the boulders and stones of the rough surrounding terrain, straight into Fred's lap. Good boy, good boy, Ricky, Fred happily said, furiously ruffling little dog's rusty-coloured coat. Ricky's tongue dangled out loosely from the side of his mouth. There were large, bald patches on his red, rusty red coat hair, and one of his eyes was half-closed. He was thin and scrappy, but Brett, Fred loved him, because it seemed to him that Ricky had been through a, t- a rough time in his life, just like Fred. But he couldn't talk about it, just like Fred. Ricky curled himself up against Fred's leg and watched Ricky's... Sorry, my computer's gone funny. Um, I'll just start that paragraph again. Ricky curled himself up against Fred's, le- Fred's leg and Fred watched Ricky's chest heave in slow, restful breathing. He tried to make his own breathing match. Anxiety was rising within him and he had to calm down. Every time he looked over at the window of the house and saw the shadows flickering by, his breath quickened and anger flared in his chest. Nikolai was still inside and Mariana was still with him, but Fred couldn't do anything. He couldn't go in. So he would have to do something else to ease the pressure that he felt pounding in his head and his heart. A little leather pouch hung around the scruff of Ricky's neck. Fred untied it, then poured its contents onto the ground and spread them out flat. The objects from the leather pouch were all sharp, all made of solid flint, all perfect for cutting in the deepest mark in even the hardest of rock, perfect for what he needed. Fred picked up the largest, sharpest piece of flint, turned it over and over in his palm whilst his thumb traced its razor-sharp edges. Gritting his teeth, Fred raised the sharp piece of flint above the level of his head and with a strong downward pull made a deep score in the side of the rock of his cave. With fierce concentration etched on his forehead, Fred continued to scrape, line after jagged line, on the solid stone cave wall until the pressure in his head and his heart began to ease and he had carved the picture that he held in his mind, a picture that linked back to his past, a picture that he must never forget. Mariana sat at a wooden table in the middle of the main room of her house while a fire burned brightly in the corner stove. As she sat, Nikolai walked around restless, unable to keep still or perhaps deciding to dominate, and his walk was predatory and a little threatening, but he did not intimidate Mariana, and she did not fear him. After all that she had been through, fear was something she had learned to fight. Nikolai had arrived at the house soon after she and Fred had eaten dinner. Mariana had seen him from the small window, speaking with Fred as as he sat in his cave. From the pale evening light, she had been able to make out his face and silhouette, and she realised immediately who he was. He was the man they had spoken about this morning, the man with the broken face and the broken wings. When Fred had pointed to the house and Nikolai had approached, Mariana had opened the door and let him in. She did not know why, she just knew she must talk to him about what he knew of Fred, about the five large stones in the ocean, about how he had known she was still alive, and so many other questions, too numerous to begin to count. Nikolai was tall, his head almost touched the ceiling, and he had to hunch his shoulders and neck slightly as he walked, but it gave Mariana a chance to observe him more closely. Two jagged stumps, about the thickness of his forearm, protruded from Nikolai's back. He had removed his coat and the cloth around his clothes had been cut away, revealing the stretched, discoloured flesh around the cut bones on his back. The stumps were irregular, uneven and deeply scarred. If they had indeed once been wings, then it looked quite possible those wings had been literally hacked away. 
Nikolai's hair was cropped tight to his head and his face was disfigured. The skin which covered his right cheek was lined with long red scars and, his only, and only his left eye functioned. His right eye socket was sunken and sewn shut. But in spite of this, his body looked healthy and strong. And with his voice, both masculine and clear, he had an air of aristocracy, like a prince fallen from grace. So you remember nothing, nothing at all about your past? Nikolai asked Mariana. No, nothing. The only memories I have are of my name, which might possibly be false. But I vaguely remember lying on the stones of sacrifice. She shivered. The memory of that night still haunted her. And I remember one other thing. I'm not sure if I could call it a memory exactly. It is just something I can see and hear in my head. Which is? Nikolai asked, tilting his head to one side. It's a face and a voice, she replied. She had not told anyone about this, not Fred or anyone she had met in the last year. She had just kept it to herself, because somehow she felt she did not want to give it away, as if talking about it would make the picture less clear and the memory more diluted. But now she was telling Nikolai, the strange man who was also a complete stranger. Why? Because he must have known her in the past? Because there was something hypnotic and entrancing about him? Or because he might be able to shed some light upon the most emotive and deeply personal memory her mind possessed? The face of whom? Nikolai asked. You will laugh when I tell you, she replied. Try me. It is the face of Alexander Zidane. I see him in my dreams and my nightmares, and sometimes in the daytime, when I see a Pegasian swooping above us, I think it might be him, and my heart stops for a while. I am sure I saw him on that night on the Stones of Sacrifice. I am sure I saw his face before Fred came and saved me. And the voice? What is the voice that you hear? It is my own. I am calling out to him. I keep calling and calling and calling, but he never comes. Well, I can tell you for sure that your name is Mariana. Mariana Rose Strauss, Nikolai said. Mariana Rose Strauss. She let the name consume her thoughts and fill her mind, holding it there like a deep breath of pure, fresh air, hoping it might touch something, spark something into life. But nothing, even her own name, meant nothing to her. But how do you know? Do you know me? Did you know me before? Yes, I did. Then who am I? Where did I come from? Why was I left on those stones in the middle of the ocean? What was I doing there? You have many questions, Nikolai calmly replied. Of course I have many questions, she screamed at him in her mind. So answer them. Whoever you are, just answer them. His silent calm was pure torment. Slowly Nikolai shook his head. I will begin at the beginning, but it is the best place to start. You were on those stones because of one man. Who? Our great leader, the man whose face you can still see, Alexander Zidane. But why? For what reason? He is a ruler. I am a human girl. I am no one. What did I do to deserve being put on the stones of sacrifice? Do you know what the stones of sacrifice are used for, Mariana? Nikolai asked. I have heard it said that they are punishment for crimes. Humans use them to punish their own, as do merfolk. Criminals are left there and tortured, and when the beatings are over, the sea washes them away. Precisely. The sea washes the stones clean of their blood and disposes perfectly of their bodies, leaving no trace at all, as if they never existed, Nikolai replied. So I was a criminal, guilty of such a heinous crime that I was left there. What did I do that was so bad? Your crime was one of the highest in our land. Mariana felt the blood drain from her head. You... A human female, 
violated one of the main Pegasian laws. Nikolai continued, you were intimate with a Pegasian man, but the worst part is, you were discovered. Now she could hardly breathe. Who? With whom was I intimate? Nikolai stopped beside her, casting a long distorted shadow over the table and across her trembling hands. With Alexander Zidan, he replied. Alexander Zidane, the man she had called out to help her, but who had never come. The man whose face she could see in her mind as the last one before she had passed out. That was why she remembered him. Now it made sense. She remembered him because he had left her there. He had done this to her. You are trembling, Nikolai said, sitting down next to her, taking her trembling hand in his. What happened to me? she quietly asked. Mariana. It was Alexander Zidane who put you on the stones of sacrifice. If it was ever discovered that you had been with him as a lover, he would never have been able to hold on to his position as ruler. He could not take that risk. He had to get rid of you. So he tied me to a rock in the middle of the rising tide, beat me and left me for dead. More tears slowly trickled down her cheek and she tasted the salt water on her lips. He did. Alexander Zidane is a man I have known all my life and I know what he is capable of. Mariana looked up at Nikolai. His one good eye was all she could look into. The other was closed over with a deep scar tissue. His face was a strange mix of grotesque and handsome, of man and beast. But in spite of his disturbing appearance, he was compelling, deeply compelling. And she was connected to him in some way. Through Alexander Zidane, perhaps. Through something they had shared in their past. So what was his story, she wondered, as her eyes gazed over his. Who was Nikolai? And what had happened to make him this way? What had Alexander Zidane done to him? Who are you, Nikolai? And what did Alexander do to you? A flame from the stove flickered in a soft breeze which blew, which blew in through the window as she waited for him to respond. And she almost didn't want to hear his answer. She knew it would be disturbing and unpleasant. And she knew it might hurt. I was once a Pegasian. I suppose that I still am, Nikolai replied. But my wings were removed and the chemical which burned my wings from the inside out seeped into the skin of my face and neck. This is the consequence. I am the result. But why? It does not matter why. This is a past life I do not wish to relive. All I know and all I remember is the man who did this to me, the man I will hate for the rest of my life. And that man is Alexander Zidane? Yes. So you seek revenge on him, and you believe that I will share that same desire for revenge? Is that why you are here? No, that is not the reason. Then help me understand why you are here and what you want from me. I am no one. I am nobody. I can barely help myself. What do you want from me? Why did you save me from the ocean? You have lived a more adventurous life than you realise, Mariana. Sorry, computer's gone funny. You have lived a more adventurous life than you realise, Mariana, Nikolai replied. You have far more to give than most. Your past life, in your past life, you were once on the third city of Gemini. You possessed something that many people sought, Pegasian and Force Chimeric. And from that visit, you have retained something very powerful, something unique, that no other can claim to have. That is why I saved you, and that is why I am here. Now that you are stronger, you are ready to put that power to good use. Power? What was he talking about? She felt his strong hand tightly grasp her own. Lost in the story of her past and his, she had not noticed how firmly he held onto her. 
He was enigmatic, compelling, from another world and another place, but it was a place she felt hypnotically drawn to, a place she wanted to know more about. I do not feel powerful, she said. But you are, Nikolai replied, powerful and very beautiful. The light from the fire played games with his shadow, casting horns behind his head as the grey outline of his severed wings rose higher on the wall. Leaning in so that his face was only inches from hers, Mariana could smell his breath. It was hot and sweet. His one good eye, only inches from hers, was focused on her, shifting up and down around the contours of her face, along the length of her neck and upper chest. He began stroking the top of her clenched hand. His palms were smooth and soft. Mariana pulled away, but his reactions were lightning fast and his grip was strong, and once he had grabbed hold of her wrist, she could not pull free. Her mind raced. Fear was creeping in. There is something I need to show you, Mariana, so that you will understand why I am here, why I saved you, and, now that you are stronger, what it is I need you to do. Slowly Nikolai slid his hand up the side of her neck, then moved his face closer to hers, so that they were almost touching. Her heart thumped inside her chest and her hands began to tremble, but she held his gaze, keeping calm and still. But before I show you anything, first let me tell you this. Nikolai paused, his eyes still focused upon her, his hand still lingering over the nape of her neck. You are not what I expected, he slowly said. You are not as fragile as I thought you would be. You have impressed me. I... Mariana was confused. What was she to make of this man? She had thought she understood him, that she empathised with him and that she owed him something for saving her life. But now she was not so sure. Should she trust him? Should she wait and find out more? Or should she just bolt out the door as fast as she could? Just show me, Nikolai, Mariana finally said. Show me so that I can understand. Nikolai relaxed back into his chair and Mariana breathed a small sigh of relief. Shutting his eyes, he placed the palms of his hands together, circling them slowly over each other before resting them on the table face up. Then, something so small that it was barely visible to the naked eye became clear. A tiny silver mark about the size of a pinprick was embedded in the skin on each of Nikolai's palms, and from each of these marks moving images began to appear, like vapour from a magic lamp. The images morphed into pictures which were vague and hazy, yet they had colour and form, and they moved in the small space over Nikolai's hands like a miniature revolving world, a clockwork movie screen. In that miniature world, which Nikolai seemed to be projecting from the silver marks in his skin, a drama was unfolding. Mariana stared in awe and incredible fascination. The hazy drama only lasted for about a minute, but the scenes were clear. They had shown young children, stooped, dirty, thin and haggard, working in some kind of underground tunnel. There had been no sign to accompany the images, but the deathly silence had said it all. There had also been several women, all at work, all haggard, all emaciated, and these people who seemed bound like slaves were constructing something. They were weaving, they were weaving and embedding something deep into the underground rock. At one point, Mariana saw a young girl of about five years old. She had stopped in her labour to lean against the hard rock of the tunnel. But after those few moments of stillness, the girl's body was seized with a violent tremor, as if a bolt of electricity had been shot through her, and she was upright again and working. Then, just when Mariana thought the images were done, out of the darkness and the gloom appeared three people, one woman, one boy, and one girl. They walked slowly and steadily, but it was their faces that caused Mariana's heart to thump. Through gaunt, 
Though gaunt and expressionless, they had a striking resemblance to three faces she had seen before. When finally Nikolai closed the palms of his hand and the images of the women and children were gone, disgust rose like bile into Mariana's mind. The scenes had been so disturbing and so real. Were they real? And what was Nikolai showing her? Was that real? she shakily asked. Yes. But what are they doing? Why are they there? Who are they? How can we get them out? Nikolai smiled. These people are slaves. They have been captured by Normain, the Neptune of the sea, and Sebastian, the leader of the Fourth Chimeric, to build the roots of the new and glorious Fourth Chimeric tree city. But... But how can you help them? Nikolai said. Can I help them? You can. How? By helping me. You are cryptic. It is annoying. Nikolai's smooth smile faded. It is my fate to always be guarded with my instincts and my emotions. Still cryptic, Mariana replied. He smiled again. Mariana, you have not yet grasped the one fundamental part of this story. Your part. You do not seem to realise your role, your pivotal role and the power that you hold. Nikolai's voice was hypnotic and because Mariana had never felt herself to be anything more or less than an average woman, Nikolai's words were sending a chill of excitement through her skin. What is it? What power do I have? she asked. Nikolai did not answer her. Instead, he placed his hand over her lips and his eye flashed as he touched her. Mariana opened her mouth with the first breath of an argument, but he lingered where he was, unhindered, gently tracing her lip with his finger. You are... Mariana breathed softly. Strange, disfigured, deformed. Yes, and more, she softly said. Nikolai's eye flashed again, then quickly he stood up. Do you have a mirror? He suddenly demanded. Bring me a mirror. Nikolai was mysterious. He was an enigma, and it was difficult to tell if he was good or bad. But to whoever or whatever Nikolai was, he had shown her something that she could not ignore. He had told her she could do something, that she had power she did not know she possessed and that her life might be more than it was today. Now Mariana could not walk away from him. Yes, I have a mirror, she replied. Then bring it to me, he said. It was an excuse to leave the room, an excuse to try and breathe normally, an excuse to think about what she had learned from the strange, scarred man who had saved her life. Mariana nodded and left to go to her bedroom, where she kept her only mirror. Okay, so that is the end of chapter three. Hope you enjoy that. Sorry for the wee mistakes in the middle. Okay, bye for now.